welcome to the Guitar Omni Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. here with Aaron Larger Kaplan. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Carl. And you're in Boston, right? Yes. Excellent. I Boston. And, and how, how long have you been in Boston? Um, I moved here for school many years ago. <laughs> uh, many, many, a couple decades ago. And um, from Colorado. I'm originally a, okay. a Westerner. Uh, Denver, uh. Colorado. Moved out here and I've lived here well, school included since 1996. So oh, I'm at wow. 20, 25 years. It looks yeah. Like it's, yeah it's awesome. <laughs> You're, I think I think that qualifies you as a, as a proper Bostonian, right? <laughs> well, uh, it depends in the neighborhood. I, I asked a police officer once, when are they going to accept me? And he's like, well, how long have you been here? And I think at that time, it's been like 15 years. He goes, maybe your kids. And I was like, <laughs> So I, I, I try not to do the whole wicked smart bro. Sure. <laughs> Great. And you're, you're on the faculty at uh, University of Massachusetts at Boston. And yes. formerly, formerly at Boston Conservatory. Yeah. It's, a, it's been – I've taught at quite a few schools around the city. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to choose yeah, from. Yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna, there's like, there are a few there, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've done stuff with Northeastern and – uh, various schools and it's just I, I think that's one of the the benefits of living here is there's just sure. especially if you like contemporary music there's just a lot happening so I've probably lectured or presented at probably 30 of the 50 schools oh fantastic Good for you. You know, I've been here a while though so it does yeah. help you know where, where did you go to school there I went to New England Conservatory I oh studied. you did well, I went one year at Boston University okay. with uh, Peter Clemente, who okay. is a former GFA winner. And then I transferred to New England Conservatory to study with David Leisner, who I Fantastic. studied with for four years. And off and on in that time as well with Elliot Fisk, about a oh, year great. with Elliot. And then after I graduated, um, I studied with uh, – I found – uh, a professor, his name is uh, Dmitry Goryachev. Okay. And I don't know if you've heard of the flamenco no. guitarist Grisha. Oh, yeah. Grisha uh -huh. is sure. fantastic. He was at NEC with me. And oh. I said, you know, Grisha, who taught you to play like this? And he said, yeah. my father. And so <laughs> after I graduated, I, I had like six months of kind of floating on my own, you know, having a job and all of this. And then I got a couple teaching jobs fairly quickly, but I wasn't feeling like my um, my own learning. I knew there was much more I needed to do, so right. I went and had a lesson with Dima, and you know, walked out of there three hours later, just completely like sweaty, exhausted, <laughs> and exuberant because I found oh, my teacher, and oh, uh, I studied with him for seven years. I was with him to, uh, usually. Wow. 
three to six hours a week for about seven years. No vacation. Unless one of us was traveling, it was like, come over, you must have a lesson. And wow. it was great. It was great. I'd hear Grisha practicing in the sure. next room. And, you know, he, he's so, people are like, oh, he was born this way. It's like, no. you, when you see someone practice or hear them, the man has spent more time on his instrument than anyone I've ever met. Yeah. And he, he had gifts as a kid. But it's like, you know, Kobe Bryant or LeBron. Right. They have shot more shot, you know, sure. three pointers from one spot than most people ever shoot in their lifetime. Right. And you know, hearing that was very inspiring. And Dima was was wonderful. I mean, yeah. he was truly um, kind of a father figure for me. Is, does, has has Dima performed professionally? Is that no? He was never really. A, he performed with Grisha when Grisha okay. was a child, but um, he had an accident, broke his leg, broke his oh. wrist, and he still had, he still has the best tremolo I've ever heard, just like oh. silk. But he doesn't play in public. He gets nervous, and he's a teacher, right? You know, right. he's a, he did some teaching, I think, for Elliot's Guitar Festival for a little while. Okay, and then I, you know, I think when you grow up. And you teach in Russia and then you come to the, to the U.S. and people are like, my kid wants a certificate so he can get into college. Teach him how to play right. guitar, kind of. Not so he becomes professional. <laughs> just so he can put it on his resume. Yeah, and I think we've all dealt with that in yeah. some point. And he, I think after a while he was just like, I, Aaron, I, Aaron, I cannot do that anymore. I, it is my, heart, my heart hurts. So, wow. Yeah. So do you play a lot of flamenco these days? Um, I do some, you know, Dima wasn't a flamenco player. Grisha is the flamenco Oh, okay. So Dima learned flamenco to teach Grisha. Oh, And wow. so, and okay. Dima, Grisha, his ears are just fantastic. He's phenomenal. He's yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. He just learns everything orally. He used to slow down the records and learn everything in octave. <laughs> now he just does it. Um, yeah. With Dima, his idea of technique and approach to the guitar was very fluid and very much about ease and okay. you know you, you, we've all been to those concerts where we watch someone play and it looks painful right and, you know, the faces so i do play spanish music quite a bit and i right. add a lot of flamenco elements okay to it i wouldn't call myself a flamenco player because right. i don't accompany dancers like i don't right like i can play jazz but i would never call myself a jazz guitarist sure. Um, and so I have a, a Spanish music ensemble where I work with, um, I bring in a cellist or violinist, and then I have an amazing uh, dancer singer uh, in, in New York City. Her name is La Conja. And we, she choreographs to, to classical pieces, Albenis, De Falla. She'll oh, okay. sing yeah, sure. the Siete Canciones, and yeah. it is marvelous. And there's a video online of El Paño Moruno. Uh -huh. and she does the first verse a cappella just with her hands doing the rhythm oh. and her feet. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's it. It's not. And I remember she used to yell at me in, in Spanish, of course. And she's like, and at one point she said, stop reading the music. Rhythm is inside. It's nice. not on the paper. And it was just the, the lessons I got from her and other dancers I worked with who were yeah. just top tier. Absolutely. You know. School is great, but yeah, it just yeah. opens the door. Absolutely, yeah. No, I I, I agree. I, I um, I I've been playing flamenco for probably I don't know five or six years now, mm -hmm. and 
I, I, I'm not really a flamenco player because I, I, I just parrot like yeah. the dancer that I work with gives me recordings and, you know, says here, learn, learn some of these. And I need, you know, this many falsettas and, yeah. you know, the, here we're doing the Escobilla and all this kind of, and I just, I just basically parrot back what I've learned and I've done, you know, I've done some reading and tried to get, get a hold yeah. of, of things as much as I can. But I feel really fortunate to have had all my learning come through that dancing perspective rather than you know, a really guitar-minded kind of way of approaching it. And and I think there's something something really to that. And the funny thing is, is like, she doesn't care what I play. If the compass is on, she does not care at all, you know, if, and... No, the compass has to be on. There is no yeah, if. Right, right. <laughs> right. They it's, don't care it's, if it's, it's hard. They don't care if yep, it's fast. Not one bit. Play the compass yep. and give me the yep. accents and li watch my feet. Yep, yep. That's, and it's, you know, it's the great. Cups, and it yeah. is, it does something. And it's just like improvisation. I mean, every right. classical musician should learn about improvisation in the same manner. Be, you know, I did a show, well, my, my group is called Confuego with Fire. Oh, nice. So there's some videos online. I did arrangements of Rodrigo, uh, you know, the Adagio, Concierto uh -huh. de Aranjuez. Yeah. It's so much fun. And yeah, I yeah. will say to all those guitarists listening, I know we want to be the center of the world and we think we've worked really hard and we deserve it. Get yourself a beautiful dancer, male or female, and you will actually play for people more than just other guitarists. Absolutely. So rewarding. And you can stick a solo in there. Get over yourself. Um, it is fantastic. <laughs> oh, she does the hand, she does handwork to Recuerdos de la Alhambra. And it's just like, it yeah. makes it so much more fun to play. Uh, we and I add ninth chords to Asturias and sure. Sevilla. I flamenca, flamenco wise, but it is fun. But I did a show this uh, in August in uh, north of Boston in Rockport, Mass, at a place uh -huh. called Windover, and it was I was brought in about a month earlier, and the dancers were all from New York City. It wasn't flamenco; it was contemporary. So it was like the head dancer of Martha Graham, former head oh, of Paul cool. Taylor, really amazing. And so I was interludes, and then we found a few pieces like uh, the head Martha Graham dancer, uh, Ying, Ying Ji, uh, she did uh, an improv to Recuerdos. I did oh, a little neat. improv intro, and yeah. then lights come on, and she's improvised. And it was fantastic. And there's a, a video that'll come out hopefully soon. Um, if it's not already out, of uh, them choreographing to Tracing a Wheel on Water, which is a minimalist piece by Kevin Siegfried that I recorded years okay. ago. And it's fantastic. And the whole ensemble of five dancers, they're all different. They didn't never, some of them had never worked together. They just met. Oh, wow. And we just worked it out. And it was so fantastic to have movement, you know. Mm -hmm to see how they move with the air. You know, Lorca talks about Duende and a dancer who is is creating air, moving the space and battling mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. struggle. And I'm watching these guys and I'm just like, oh, blown away. So yeah. long story short, play with dance as often. <laughs> love it, love it. I, I'm 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 constantly preaching the gospel of collaboration. Yeah. You know, I think I think that uh Hopefully, hopefully the that that image of the, you know, solo guitar guy with the tuxedo, you know, spending you know an hour and a half on stage not speaking and being really stiff and playing the same repertoire and you know ho hopefully that 
that's fading into our past. I I think. I mean, there's, there's it, a, it, I, it has there's there's a place for it, and yeah, it's, it's you know, a, it's time not a bad a thing. Place, but but it just even the big ones who come to Boston, they don't yeah. sell out, and it. Yeah. You know, I, I saw Julian Bream on his last tour, and it was sold out. I saw John Williams multiple times, and they're great. They're wonderful. I'm a Julian Bream band. It's kind of like a McCartney-Lennon thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm a Bream guy. I have I'm, been, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. He was fantastic, and I took some friends, you know, family and friends who were in town. We all went, and most of them didn't know guitar, and they loved right. it. But I don't see them going out of their way to go hear more. And there are musicians out there who, uh, performers, who really get that they don't need to play for other guitarists. And they're exciting. <laughs> and, you know, Asturias is a great piece. I love yeah. playing it, but I, I, I get bored. And, you know, and it's not guitar music. <laughs> yeah, well, most of what I play isn't necessarily guitar music. So, but, you know, there's only... Like for me, 19th century music is really hard. Yeah. I love Mertz. I think Mertz is great. I love Kost um, and many others. But, you know, at, if I go to a concert or if I look at a program, I don't need to hear the Sore studies. Again. Right. I, right. I don't need to hear the Villalobos studies. I know he's yeah. not 19th century. Sure. But that's me personally. If right. The that, War Horses, if, yeah, yeah. If they can get people to come in and fall in love with it, that's great. Right. Me, you know, I've been doing a lot of uh, arrange. I do a lot of arranging, a mm -hmm. ton of arranging. I've always, I, I think it was, um, I remember a lesson I had with Elliot um, when I was probably a senior, my last year at NEC. Um, I had a wedding gig and they asked for a piece by Handel. And this is before the internet. You couldn't just type in PDF <laughs> Handel Aria. And so I got the score and I said, hey, can you help me? arrange this and for 20 minutes i watched him write out this piece and just like looking at the score okay you don't have to double this you can get rid of this wow. here and it was such an education i don't even think he knew he was teaching me which right. kind of that's very elliot um you learn because you want to learn as i right. say oh, that's um, fantastic and so I just started doing it. And a lot of the arranging I did was for gigs, you know, play right, a Grisha sure. song, a Bernstein thing. Yeah. And then I had this like collection of pieces and that's, I start, started arranging Bach, of course, but I've arranged Espana Cani, you know, the great uh, Paso Doble, which yeah. everyone's like, oh, that's, that's a flamenco piece. It's like, no, it's for orchestra, no, it's, it's pastiche, yeah. you know, but it's fun. And I had a dancer ask me to do it. And that's, right. you know, but now I play, I'm doing a project now where uh, there's a composer up in, uh, he's at Bowdoin College. Okay. Uh, his name is Vinit Chende. He's, he's a trip. He studied classical, he studied blues, jazz and blues, and he wanted to be the guitarist for Journey. That was his dream. <laughs> and then he got into classical guitar and then he started learning sitar. His family's from India, but he, you okay. know, order was, you know, all, I might have it around, but anyway, he grew up in Chicago and he's in, up in Maine and he, I was brought in to do a piece for choir and guitar that he wrote. That is, okay. It's like a concerto with choir. I mean, <laughs> pitch bends, nut side strumming. I mean, oh, just fun. intense rhythms. And so we became close, you know, quick friends. And he's written for my new lullaby project. And he, I approached him about doing some electronics and guitar. And he said, well, I have this other idea. 
and he rewrote Bach's Prelude uh, One in C Major from the Well-Tempered Clavier. You know, da 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 da. He reimagined it as if Bach were from South India. Oh. And so it's like measure for measure, it's the same. Like, right. But they don't have um, chord progressions right. in Carnatic music. And so when there's a, a, a cadence, he does these rhythmic flourishes, five against three and seven. I mean, it gets a little complex. And it is so much fun. And oh, I said, I great. love this. I arranged the Bach and made my version. And so we're doing a, a set of 12. And I've now arranged 12 preludes from book oh. one to two. And it's like, some of them Very are great. like, I don't understand why no one has ever done this before. Or there right. are people who've done it. But like, yeah. why aren't the David Russells and the Fisks and the Barwakers <laughs> playing this? Like, right. it sits on the guitar. And other, you know, other ones are like my insane, but it is fun. So I do a lot of arranging. I mean, I, 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 my, I, before COVID, I was supposed to play Mazorsky pictures exhibition. Oh, and, fun. You know, it is, it, it's kind of nuts, but people know that music. Sure. Absolutely. So what, um, helped. what, what would, what would the, what was the Mazorsky to be for? Was, was that all I was supposed dance project? to be on. No, well, no, that was solo. I was supposed okay. to be touring it um, oh, cool. on the West Coast in April 2020. Oh my gosh! Wow. And I had played it. I had played it for the first time in public. I think in November, December 2019. Okay. And then, you know, it's a blast. I mean, yeah. you know, just people's faces and some sure. of the movements work really, really well. Yeah. And so I used uh, Yamashita's arrangement, and then I would, you know, I had my own piano version, and I'm going through. I'm like. I don't like this. I like this. <laughs> this is more of an arrangement of the orchestral score. Sure. Like all the colors. His is, I am tried to do more piano and then think of it, you know, approach it my way. But, but that's also the John, how the John Cage stuff right. uh, came about was I, a friend of mine, a professor at the New England Conservatory had mentioned to me when I was a student that uh, he always thought six melodies, the piano mm. part for piano and violin, he thought the piano part would sit on the guitar really nicely and, you know, filed that away. Right. You know, 15, 10 or 15 years later, I'm like, you know, I still remember John Cage. There was a piece. And so I went to a festival that he was running and I said, Steve, you told me. And he goes, yeah, six melodies. And I went, got the score. <laughs> he remembered. <laughs> yeah, he totally. He's like, that's the piece. He's always imagined it. And so I arranged it. I performed it at Boston Conservatory with the wonderful violinist Sharon Leventhal. And some uh, composer friends who were there said, you got to get this published. And I sent the video to Edition Peters in New York. Okay, yeah, yeah. And Gene Capriolio, who heads their division, said, yeah, this is great. We'll, we'll publish oh, cool. this. And it was the first piece to be published in, you know, officially in the Cage repertoire for guitar. And oh. then people bought it, which I think shocked them more than anything. <laughs> and so like six months after it came out, he's, they called me up and they said, Aaron, you know, it has sold. I mean, it's not thousands of units, but it, it, it sold. And enough for them to ask for some solos. And so we did a collection of seven solos. And like John that, Cage as well? Yeah. Piano oh, music wow. arranged for guitar. What pieces did and, you do? 
Um, we did early and mid-career, so very okay. lyrical. So his early stuff is some of his earliest published, uh, 1931 or 33, okay. I think it is. Okay. And, oh, yeah, yeah, he was like 21, 22. There's three easy pieces for piano, sit on guitar beautifully. Yeah. Um, some of it, I didn't have to change anything. I mean, it's just, oh, wow. yeah, I changed the octave, but that's that register stuff. Right. And then uh, a room, which is one of the first prepare, like, it, it's kind of minimalist. It's like five notes, different registers. Didn't have to change anything. I mean, there's some right. jumps in it, but it's so much fun. And it's a lot of alternation of two voices, which is like, I look at the score, Perfect. I go, this is guitar music. Yeah. And it could be prepared or not. And so the preparations i'm like it doesn't quite work on the guitar but he wrote could be prepared piano or not prepared or not right where you put stuff in the strings yep how specific was he what in terms of the actual like the specific preparation on the piano on that one it was fairly specific and it's hard to prepare a guitar sure when you try and match the piano because we have gravity like you don't can't just put something on a string it tips over when you go to play yeah. So, yeah, with the, one of the pieces with Bacnal, which isn't will be published in uh, end of 2021. Okay. Um, that I arranged, that's his first prepared piano piece. It's a 10 minute awesomeness. It's like yeah. early metal. And, it, you know, 1948, I think it is. Okay. I, I'm, I'm spacing on dates, excuse me. And um, the, uh, I arranged two prepared guitars. And the preparation was fairly basic. It was like muffled strings for these pitches. And then on this pitch, I want buzz. And on this pitch, you know, I put a uh, alligator clip with some washers on the uh-huh. first string. Oh, cool. I only had to play the first string for one pitch. Right. And so it ended up working really nice, yeah. nicely. And Adam Levin recorded it with me. And um, it made it's on the album. And the uh there's the six melodies for violin guitar with sharon leventhal and two of my favorite lyrical pieces dream and in a landscape both are originally for dance uh most cunningham and Uh sure and um they just like in a landscape is was the probably the toughest to arrange because it's so amazing and it's a lot of use of pedal on the piano and so i use campanella on the guitar, you know, where you're doing sure. a, a, a scale across multiple strings to get the notes to ring. Ring over each other, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it it's so much fun to play. People yeah. are like, I can't be Cage. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah most pianists don't even <laughs> So it's been really, it's fun, really uh, educational and exciting to yeah. do. Yeah. That's great. So, so that 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 music's all available. Yes, all okay. Bacnal will be out uh, fourth quarter of twenty twenty one. Okay, great. And, but all of the other music is available uh, through Edition Peters or any okay. music seller. Call up your sure. local music sellers, and you can find that or libraries. Uh, many li- uh, what is it? Uh, institutional libraries have it. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's a blast very, very to cool. play. It's got some good reviews, you know. Yeah. It's Cage. And, it's not something most sure. guitarists know. Of course, of course, yeah. And did, did you and did you record all of that stuff? Yeah. Excellent. And there's, uh, I was at uh, Banff right before COVID, and oh to gosh. do more, 
um, Cage. I have uh, another album in the works with more arrangements. Great. Um, yeah, it's once you start down this hole. <laughs> well, there's there's no lack of material from him, yeah. I'm sure. You know. Yeah. Well, he never wrote for guitar. I did talk right. with David Starobin, and he had tried. He had spoken with Cage about getting some guitar music yeah. towards the end of his life. Of Cage's life, Starobin sure. is still. He's still with us. <laughs> Thankfully, he's one of those. I'm just like so happy. I mean that he he has done so much for the guitar. Oh yeah. Uh, in the repertoire, so he said he spoke with Cage, and um, Cage was interested. And then he got Cage got sick, uh, and you know, pretty all of us. It was, it was not like a long sickness right. and died. He just got sick and died fairly quick and left quite a bit of music out there. So there are other people who play Cage, and I'm definitely not the first, um, but the album is the first classical guitar album. That's John very Cage cool. guitar. Yeah. Yeah. When did you do that? That was 2018 on okay. Stone Records, a UK label. And um, yeah, the publications came out in 2015 and 2017. So Great. Far. So, very, yeah. very cool. Excellent. And, and you mentioned um, the, the Lullaby Project. Oh, yeah. The, yeah new you, Lullaby. The new Lullaby Project. Yeah, and I have to blame <laughs> the new part for David Starobin as well. Oh, okay. I, I really loved his, his album that came out in the 90s, New Dance, uh -huh. which was a collection, I think, of like 17 dances, short right. dances. Elliot Carter's Shard is on it. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so many beautiful pieces on that album. I, I, I think I've listened to, you know, bought two or three versions or a copy of it. Over yeah. And um, I lend them out to students and then they never, <laughs> and they never see them again. <laughs> now I hand them to students and they're like, what's this like CD thing? I, I it. <laughs> it's an ancient artifact. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, I started the new Lullaby Project in 2007. I, okay. Well, I received my first one in early, late 2006 from David okay. Leisner. So, um, so you've been I had doing that for a while then, yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, on my first album, Tracing a Wheel on Water, I had recorded Brower's arrangement of the Afro-Cuban lullaby uh -huh. or Canson de Cuna. And um, people loved it. I'd play this stupid little lullaby in concert. <laughs> like, oh. And I'd have Bach, I'd have flamenco, I'd have contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't care, I like the lullaby. <laughs> and my wife was like, stop being annoyed and listen to the audience. Yeah. People want, you know, that. And it, so I, I said, I don't want to do an album of lullabies. I hate the idea of tracks to relax. Like right. our local classical music yeah. station does that at like during rush hour. And I'm like, <laughs> listening is an active endeavor. Yeah. It is, you know, when I play on stage, I know when people are listening. Right. I mean, it, if we're not together, it doesn't work. And in Indian music, Hindustani music, there's actually an aesthetic called the rasa, where when the listener and the performer are together, they can reach a level of nirvana. There I we mean, go. It, it's real we just call it electricity oh i'm on stage right. i'm electric well what they do right. what did bach say you know they didn't have electricity right. so right. <laughs> you know i know it's a awesome and so i started I, I had an idea i played takamitsu's arrangement of summertime 
And I didn't realize it, but I was looking at the original score of Gershwin's uh, Porgy and Bess, and it says lullaby. And I was like, huh, ding, ding, Makes ding. Makes sense, right. And um, I started asking composers to write new lullabies. And I, David Leisner's was the first. Okay. And then I got a collection, I think, of about 14, 15, and I recorded them on an album in 2010 called New Lullaby. Okay. And that came out, did really, got some wonderful reviews. I almost consider that my first real album because I was, right. I actually really liked it. And I liked <laughs> it. I, I was a part of every, you know, the whole thing. I just, right. I chose the music and the order, the editing. I held, I was there for the editing. I produced it. It was really exciting. And then that CD came out and I thought I was done. And People, then composers would hear it and be like, oh, can I send you a lullaby? Oh, nice. Like, what am I supposed to say? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> really no, that's, that's, that's okay. I've got, yeah, I've got plenty, exactly. right? <laughs> no, send it to someone else. And I, I actually really love contemporary music. I think yeah. music that represents art, that represents sure. our experiences now. I mean, I love yeah. Bach. I put my own voice in it. But... It doesn't represent. It's a know. much different process, you know. Yeah. And, and and there's something really vibrant about being part of that whole creative process, you know. And you think, just even 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 just being able to have a conversation with the person who wrote the music. I mean, yeah. that's fantastic, right? You oh, know, and and, and the process of the like rehearsing part. rehearsing with a composer or being a composer who's and rehearsing somebody's rehearsing your music in in yeah. real time. That's that's the stuff. I mean, that's it, that's that's for real. In it, most of the composers like right by to date, I've premiered sixty five or wow. six lullabies. I think is what it is. Oh I'd have my to count then. gosh, some, that's huge, some dude. Multiple. There's a few that wrote three and a couple that wrote two, quite a few wrote two. Wow. And but the part that I love the most is about seventy percent of them had never written for guitar. Oh, so this great. is because what we don't realize is that people aren't taught how to write for the guitar. Right. No, not at all. And, yeah. Right. So the, and it's a freaky instrument because it's mm -hmm. not the piano. Right. That's really what it is. <laughs> and we have four middle C's, each yeah. which is with its own quality. Oh, timbre, yeah. And then timbre changes with the right hand. Mm -hmm. And then notation doesn't really express what we can really do. Yeah. I mean, really notation is limited and piano is perfect for, right. for that. Here's this pitch, play that pitch at this yeah. time. It doesn't express vibrato. It doesn't express rubato. I just right. so the that experience working with composers and I mean so many times there's a wonderful lullaby by Scott Wheeler who wrote uh, the lullaby called Nachlied that is on um, New Lullaby. And we're sitting down and I'm playing it and I go, you know, you've repeated this melody so many times and it's lovely. What if I did it in harmonics? And I, you know, sure. badly played it in harmonics because that's what I, you know, I have an idea. I'm like, hey. And uh, he liked it. And he goes, okay. And then he sent me a new score and I'm playing and I send him a recording and he goes, no, no, no. I want everything in that section harmonics. So the bass notes are harmonic. Right. And all oh, of cool. a sudden I go, 
what did I do to myself? <laughs> well, there's like another six hours of figuring out how to do both voices. But you know, I have no fear of harmonics. Sure. I can, you know, not now. <laughs> exactly. And like Scordatura, yeah. I have lullabies where I have to change tuning in the middle of the piece as I'm playing. Um, lullabies that are in you know, three string changes, uh, you know, three screen, sure. string scordatura. I've, I've limited it to two because of that. <laughs> you have, give the composers a list of rules now. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I totally do. And they're very happy about it. I have a one page specifications and oh, fantastic. It, it's very free. I'm like, I don't define a lullaby. It's not a dance. It's got to be beautiful. And the uh, I have twelve tone lullabies that are gorgeous. Yeah. I have polyphonic lullabies, minimalist lullabies, lullabies with white noise, lullabies you shouldn't hear the end of because you should be asleep. Um, <laughs> there's always a story, and every culture has lullabies. And sure. I think my favorite aspect, like this, I often when I go to schools and give lectures about writing for guitar or even just working with guitarists, it's like, what's your favorite part of guitar? And I have yet to hear someone say when guitarists play really fast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Most composers go, it sounds like a box, you know, and, and yeah, I know it's a percussive <laughs> instrument. It can be. And most student, most composers are like the timbre, the feel right. the sound, and yeah. the lullaby. I mean, I can really enjoy notes. Yeah. It, it's, yep. Bringing out, well, I, th I think that's 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 one thing. I mean, that's that's what we do best, you know. I mean, if you talk about like what what is the guitar all about? When we do that beautiful thing like that, it, it no, nobody can touch that. You know, it's 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 so unique and, and just when you slide up on the second or third yeah. string uh -huh. and it's like <laughs> that nice vibrato and yeah. it doesn't have to be an E major or E major. Right. <laughs> Did I say something? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love that. I love it. It's great. Yeah. So it is, it's, it's been very, it, the, I actually consider these composers, the like probably six, 55, 60 composers. That's a tremendous them, amount of music. Yeah. It, it's been a lot. There's a website, newlullabyproject.com. Okay. And you can see the pictures, you know, there's pictures of all the composers. They're all listed. There's reviews, recordings. Um, it's really been, those people have been my teachers. Because so cool. every composer approaches these dots on a page differently, right. which made me go, wait a sec. Well, maybe Bach didn't mean it like this. Right. Maybe there really isn't only one great recording of something. Sure. And maybe he, if he played guitar, he would have done this voicing. Sure. And it's been really wonderful. And then, so the, the, my COVID project was I built a little recording studio in my basement, which you can see today. listeners can't. It looks it lovely. Looks like the Taj Mahal, um, <laughs> or the basement Mahal, I should call it. Um, and I recorded uh, fifteen. I did an album in 2020 called "Nights Transfigured," of uh, fifteen lullabies, and then a third. That was volume two, and volume three okay. came out in June 2021. August, they all came out online, but um, called "Drifting." So I've done three volumes of rec recordings, about, I think, 45 Great. Uh, lullabies. Yeah. And I'm working on a fourth volume, starting up that process now. So hopefully early 2022, that'll come out. 
And then I teamed and are up. They with still, are they still coming in from composers? Yes. Are they still, yeah. Like, it's I never ending. Like, <laughs> I literally just got uh, got one two days ago. I got I got one from Brazil about three weeks ago. Um, you know, and that's people, fantastic. It's it's, it's kind of taken like, on a, a, a life of its own, I guess. Yeah. Huh? Which it's cool. And then the the cool like a really cool part is that uh, I teamed up with the American Composers Alliance, uh, okay. a, a organization that was started by Aaron Copeland in New York. And it's they and I partnered to publish anthologies of these scores. That, that, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, many of the scores are individually uh, available. I right. know David Leisner's with Theodore Presser is available. Amazing Ken Ueno's is available with uh, EC. Oh, shoot, I just forgot who his publisher is. It's really great. Um, and But we also put them into uh, two volumes. The first volume, Knights Transfigured, I know it's two names, came out in January. And okay. the second volume came out in June called uh, Hushed. And okay. so we've published, I think, 31 of the scores so far. Oh, Every, fantastic. Score comes with a little biography about the composer, performance notes, because there's some you know, pitch bends and sure. every composer, how many ways can you notate harmonics? Of course, right. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. And it's been so educational for me to put these things sure. together and say, okay, how do I, like, I want active score, I want active lullabies, I want lullabies that are very playable as well as like these, right. these are very advanced lullabies. And it got, the first volume got some awards for design from the uh, Music Publishers Association of yeah. the United States. So it's been awesome. There'll probably be a third volume. Um, I need to sleep a little bit. They don't. <laughs> Problem with. That's funny. I can't sleep for all the lullabies. Yeah. You know, the irony is not lost on me. I often so get, you, do you sleep to these? I'm like, no. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> They're not for me. I could have recorded it this way. I could have done this. Yeah. And, oh but other people tell me it's very, they love it. I had a, a fan in Switzerland just wrote to me saying how much their, uh, their niece and nephew have been learning about new music on some radio program in Germany. Sure. And so th she sent them my uh, recordings and they love it. And it's oh, like, wow. you know, I, I've received notes from a lot of parents who are so happy because it's not purple dinosaur. Right. Music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is serious music. And I've done all lullaby concerts for kids. We put pillows on the floor oh, and they'll fantastic. sit at my feet. We have Love milk it. and cookies. Yes. And they go nuts. I'm playing twelve music. I'm playing yeah. microtonal. And kids are just like, oh, this is awesome. I like right. that piece. And they'll start like humming something. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So they, you know, they're, they are sponges. They're open-minded. Yeah. Yeah, and it's us who... Oh, yeah. they're kids. Let's water it down. Tobacco yeah. companies know what's up, man. <laughs> There's nothing really complex about what we do. We, as audience, you know, in Italy, you've performed a lot, yeah. you know, and we're, we're like, no one's, you know, the Segovia cough when right. you're trying to get the audience to, to be quiet. Right, right. I get it, but you're probably playing in a hall that's too big for 
guitar. Sure. sure. And, but, you know, in Italy, when I was playing, people would yell out bravo and encore. Yeah. And, you know, right, there was right. always a little bit of bustle and movement. Right. It's part of the culture. It's and, human. Yeah. And so when I did, like, with these lullaby concerts, some of the composers brought their kids, and they were so happy that they didn't have to worry about, you know, people getting angry at them because right. their kid is like, <laughs> that was cool. And I'm like, it's distracting yeah. only as much as, like, right. as much as it's, I need it to. You know? right. It's part yeah. of life. We have to, yeah. there's a place for it, but at the same time, maybe it's the Cajun, you know, the noise <laughs> of the room. Yeah. Is music? Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. I think, and I, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this issue, and I think part of part of the problem with with classical music in general is the culture that has kind of grown up around it, you know, and 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 people are intimidated by that, and and I and you know the concert hall is not a it's not a comfy environment for a lot of people, and I think it's our job to take the music to the people, you know, yeah. and like you said, you know, like. You present this music to people, and nobody's going to say, "Oh, I hate that. It's so ugly." You know that never happens. No, I, there are a couple of pieces. It's usually other musicians. Right? <laughs> yeah. That piece, you know, the cage, the face. When I say this piece is by Cage, and you see the people in the back go, "Oh no!" And then at yeah. the end, "Oh, that was that was actually nice." Right. And I get it. There's a place for everything. The uh, there, I think classical musicians have mistaken elite musician with elitist. Right. right. And, right. you know, I get we're, we're all, you know, a performer is in essence like an elite athlete, you know. Right. We are so trained and mm -hmm. we've spent so much time with this that we can belt it out whenever, you know, on a moment's notice. Oh, you need this music for a recording tomorrow? Right. Got it. Gotcha. And that's great. And yes, we should be very proud of what we do. But if if our pride puts up walls and says, right. you're not able to understand this, then we have an issue. Yep. Yeah. It's my and, job to, to help you understand this. The way, that's the way right. I think about it. Like, I and mean, there's, you know, I don't understand a lot of the music. Right. I, <laughs> I, 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 oh my I, gosh. It's so, it's so nice to hear somebody say that out loud. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, aren't I we all just doing our best, right? You know, you're just like, I, I think this I is what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I just recorded, uh, made a video. Uh, it's an amazing piece by, uh, Composer Tom Flaherty. He's out in Southern California. Why do I know that name? Um, I've posted a lot about it recently. Okay. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah. He's a cellist. He's written some guitar duos, a wonderful guitar cello piece. Um, he's actually, he grew up in Massachusetts, but he teaches at Pomona. And um, he is just an amazing composer. And I heard a piece for cello and processor or computer. And I've been getting into electronics, music, sure. you know, uh, acoustic and electronic music. And um, he wrote me a piece. I, I wrote to him as a fanboy. I am like, I'm playing your cello guitar piece. It's so cool. Well, you know, do you have anything else for guitar? And he was just so kind. And he offered to write me a piece for electronics and guitar because that's what okay. I was in love with. And he wrote this piece called Steps and Leaps. For the 50th anniversary of uh, Ma uh, Neil Armstrong's Walking on the Moon, you know, one small step, okay, giant leap, and um, it's for guitar and electronics, and it was supposed to premiere again because of COVID, it got delayed, 
And I premiered it uh, in August for the new music gathering, a new music festival that was uh, online and in person out of, I think this year was out of Minneapolis. And um, I spent two hours recording it and 18 hours making a video. And it is so much fun. And the, the electronics, he, does, he sets up this, what we call a Max patch, which is a device that goes through my computer. I have a mic in my guitar. I play, and then depending on the marker, the patch responds. Okay. And so sometimes it'll be a quarter note delay. Sometimes it'll be a half note. Sometimes the pitches will be higher or lower. Yeah. They'll be reverb. And it's randomized, and, so you don't know what's happening. Well, no, no, it's not that. It's not randomized. Okay. He tells me, like, quarter oh, okay. notes now this. And so he's like, can you do this at 120? And it's like, it has to stay it, at, it 120 has to be at 120. Right. Because the, the, mat, the patch is at 120. Gotcha. Okay. And it is so much fun. It's like playing chamber music with myself. <laughs> and you, if you make a mistake, you hear the mistake a quarter note later, which is like horrible. <laughs> Sounds torturous. <laughs> it was at first, and we had a lot of fun laughing about this. And that came out, and people are just like, what is this video, this other dimension? Because I'm like, right. videos are neat, It's but like, I don't like watching other people play that much. It's like, <laughs> not for a 12-minute piece. Right. I, it's like, I, I love listening, and... You know, I go to concerts, I close my eyes. And I know mm -hmm. I'm not, a lot of people are like, uh, he used his A finger. <laughs> my M finger. You know, what does nail look like? And, yeah. you know, but I, so I, I wanted to add a visual element to this piece. Yeah. I felt it worked. And, you know, hmm. audience members, if you watch the video, it's on YouTube. It's on my website, blog. Um, you know, let me know what you think, if you think yeah. it, it works. But it's a lot of fun, and I think we, as people, have to just demonstrate. You know, most guitarists are laid fairly laid back. We're all sure. OCD about right. yep. something. Yep. <laughs> um, but we are like, this music is fun. It's yeah. hard, yeah. but I think we replaced. You know, oh, if you don't understand it, well, that's oh, that's your fault, not mine. Right. Right. And I just I don't buy into that yeah. at all. No, yeah. and some things Which, don't need to be understood, right? Well, and then there's yeah, that's that's a, that's a really important point, isn't it? You know, can't you just experience this without having to we, we process do. in some sort of intellectual all way? the time? Yeah, like, <laughs> you know how everything is. <laughs> that's an excellent point. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think we we a lot of us have become academics, and I, yeah. I have great respect. Right. Well, we, 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 our training is, is in that environment. Like, yeah. you know, the, and I know for, for my generation of, of, of people, it, you know, that was, that was the uh, golden ring, you know, let's get the academic job kind of thing. Um, they don't tell you so about I, the faculty meetings, do they? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, that has been uh, something that I, I find myself saying all the time as part of, of, of part of my, my, my journey over the past 25 years is, man, if they had told me what it was like on the other side of the equation, I, I don't, I don't know that I would have been so excited about doing I it. I say the exact same. <laughs> you know, I wanted to do it because like, I love being in college. I love being a student. And I thought, here's a way for me to stay in this environment for the rest of my life. That's great. And oh my gosh, was talk about disillusion, you know? <laughs> you don't go to any keggers anymore, do you? 
idea. <laughs> it wasn't about the character. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. <laughs> I no, am wearing like a Guinness t-shirt. Yeah, I, I, noticed that, so. <laughs> I play Irish music on Fridays, so it's uh, it's, it's, well, my, it's my go. uniform. <laughs> I love it. But I do think that being, you know, when I was at Boston Conservatory, it was so inspiring to right. be around faculty members who I at least thought had a similar right. uh, goal of beautiful music. And there are some of those. Um, a state school is very different. And mm -hmm. I, it has its perks. Um, I have met some of the most amazing students who are not ever going to be professional right. musicians. Right. You know? And being able to teach guitar to vets, um, having students talk about mentorship, because what else in life is like learning an instrument? I mean, right. if you sound bad, you, you can't just multiple choice your way out of it. <laughs> it's your fault. Like, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. And someone has to teach. Maybe someone has to teach you and you can blame your teacher. Right. Why didn't he do my nails better and all this? Yeah. But at the end of the day, your success is your success. Sure. And your failure is also your, well, your learning, basically. That's yeah. our failures help us learn. And I didn't get that teaching at a conservatory, you know. Yeah. At a conservatory, it's you're getting the creme de la creme, and there's still lots of room to learn. But sure. we're at a state school, and someone's like, "Yeah, I have no idea what a classical guitar is, or yeah. well, let me you show are. you." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I personally I, think you know, every I, conservatory teacher should go teach at a state school where yeah. people don't know their name. It would be very good. Just like one out of every 10 years. Sure, Just sure. go spend a year, like someone says, hey, can you teach me Wonderwall? Or how do I do the bark for it again? And what, what's comping? Yeah. And you sit there and you're like, oh, wait, I have to teach someone about Bossa Nova and I've only played written out stuff and they want a lead sheet. Like, right. It's a, sure. I, personally, I, I, I personally think that should always happen. No, I, I love it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I always think it's, it's this idea of, you know, being down in the trenches, right. You know, um, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's like this pyramid thing for, for every, every super high level guy, you know, there, there's maybe like a hundred of me, <laughs> you know, and, and somebody needs to do that work. That work is really important. And somebody has to be at that level to do that work. I'm happy to do it. You know, yeah, like, and I don't need, I don't want to need, I don't like trenches because, you know, when we think of the trenches, <laughs> we think of who were the people in the trenches. It wasn't right. the upper crust. It right. was usually, yeah. you know, Cannon just fodder. The, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and I, I think it's wonderful. I mean, yeah. there's, I've met a few teachers who teach at both conservatory and mm -hmm. community music schools and they, because they get that. They get it, and, yeah. You know, the hardest thing is not teaching someone who already knows how to play. Right, right. It's teaching someone who is kind of like, look, I just need to graduate and keep my attention. <laughs> right. And, you know, I had some, you know, especially online, you know, I had a couple students who needed to graduate this summer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of them's in China and he's like, you know, professor, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm borrowing a guitar. I don't oh know. Gosh. And. It, at the end of the day, at the end of the sessions, you know, we did our 12, you know, six weeks, 12 lessons. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, I have learned so much. And not just about, you know, guitar, right, but right. about 
you know, breaking down things, the process of thinking. I had a conversation with a friend of mine whose wife is a neurologist, works with stroke patients, and he's a composer and he's working with stroke patients, you know, oh, doing wow. this kind of meetup to like write music suitable for those patients to play. Right. And some of these patients were like top tier musicians who had strokes. Oh, and wow. we were talking about the the brain and the pathways in the brain. And he said, no matter what, musician, people who have had strokes, musicians get better faster. Interesting. You know, yeah, the, the way, and he, he says it's the process of relearning. Because if you have to relearn speech or learning how to walk, learn how to use your arms again, learn how to move your jaws, I mean, all right. of this, it's not one day, 10 minutes. Right. It's every day. And his thinking is, and there's a lot of writing about it, is that musicians understand what it is to learn something. Yes. To, to work repeatedly. I, I have a measure of Bach I'm working on, an arrangement. <laughs> I don't even keep track of how many times I've played it or how you many can't, hours. Right, you can't. No, I would, yeah. I would be so depressed. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. My, my favorite is when I played a piece that I really think I have a handle on, and I played it for years, and then I suddenly find, like, why am I using that fingering? That's a, that's a terrible fingering, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you have to change it, relearn it. Yeah, yeah. Solidify it. And then you go sit in front of people and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> have I never practiced before? Right. I mean, yeah. it, and I think that... That, that constant, yeah. like, re those those neural pathways, you know. And, like, it, it, you sit there, it's like, okay, I can do it. But I know how my body reacts under mm -hmm. pressure. Right. Um, let me put the metronome on the offbeat. Let me yeah. change the rhythms. Let me, yep. uh, can I close my eyes and look the other direction? I mean, make it as hard as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I get worried when something becomes easy because yes. it's like, oh no. Can I trust that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that maybe that's why I, I mean, for me, I love the process. I hear yeah. people hate, they talk about disliking practice. Uh, yeah. I love practice. I do too. Yeah. You know, late at night <laughs> when everyone's kind of asleep and the world is quiet and you start yeah. to pull out recuerdos or something <laughs> that you don't have to think about because your eyes yeah. are tired and it's just, yeah. I, if I don't yeah, practice, I, I, I can't it, sleep. I, I understand that completely, yeah. It's, and it's funny because when I had time to practice as a student – and, you know, my teachers all told me this. They all said, you know, make sure you use as much time as you can now because you're not going to have it when you're out of school. And I, I think I took that to heart, and I, I practiced a lot when I was in school. Um, and, you know, I, I never really considered it a chore so much. You know, it was work that needed to be done, and I did it. And now it's just, it's like my reward. You know, it's like the ice cream cone. You know, I get, oh, I get to go practice. That's awesome, you know. <laughs> And that's my attitude about it. And, and I, part of that is because my time is so s squeezed that, yeah. you know, like I like if I have a good chunk of time to practice, it's 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 kind of like a luxury, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you, I, you I work here. The process value. is fantastic. Yes, absolutely. The value of yeah. time and learning how to practice is the this is what Dima taught me. You know, at, at conservatory, it was. You know, you learn a program, perform the program, right? Drop the, Be program, done with the program, learn the next yeah. program. Right. Get repertoire, get repertoire. Yep, yep, yep. I didn't start playing classical guitar until I was sixteen. Right. I didn't read music very well, so it was like stress, 
perform it. New yeah. stress, perform right. it. Sure. And I remember when I had learned a couple pieces with Dima, and he and you know, three months later he'd say, Irun, play me that piece. Yeah, and I'd yeah. be like, Dima, I haven't played it. He goes, Irun, you must <laughs> you, you're never you done. Must have this repertoire with you. You cannot let this die. <laughs> and he showed me how to practice and like at least bits of it. And working with students who aren't, you know, professional musicians, especially breaking down things i'm like i i break things down to the point like i think a lot of my a lot of people who already know how to play are frustrated because i'm like no no we're going to break it down more no i i want you to do this i want you to go up the neck with that cord you know there's still some tension and i'm trying to iron out stuff because i don't want bad habits i want and i want them to learn how to approach music, not as here's a piece of paper that represents music. That doesn't represent right. music. Those are just dots that right. we give significance to. Yeah. That's so music, that's so I can give it to somebody else and say, here, play something yeah. that sounds like what I And play. it'll be yeah. completely different. Right. Completely different. I mean, yep. the why is Villa Lobos so popular? I personally think it's because he didn't finger his etudes and there's Good no point. dynamics. Yeah, and there's four ver- four printed versions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had some issues, but yeah. <laughs> you know, and I do think that's also why Bach, you know, the lute suites. Sure. I think there's a total of like six dynamics yeah. in his markings. You know what that allows is all of us to put our own. Well, I th- I thought it meant that I was supposed to play it without any. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a harpsichord. <laughs> No, it means how fast can you go? Right, exactly. Yeah, right, right, right. If if I play it fast enough, I don't need dynamics. Do you ever have a student (laughs) who comes in and it's like marked Allegro and they're whipping through it? And I I love turning to them and I go, great, that's Allegro. And you go, yeah, it means fast. And I go, good, play it vivace. (laughs) And look at me and they're like, oh. I like speed. It's wonderful. I love playing fast. It's great, but it doesn't replace yeah. music. Well, I I always I can't remember what what the reference was, but uh, I heard somebody say once, like, okay, well, that was really impressive, but after thirty seconds, like, you know, I need I need something else. <laughs> you know? well, my favorite speed one is Scott Tennant said, "Don't show people how fast you can't play." Nice. Oh, I'm just beautiful. like, yeah. wow, I have been in that seat. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Love We've it. All been there. We've all been fantastic. there. So it, you know, the idea of learning, how we approach our guitar, there are so many facets to it. Trying to explain to composers how timbre works. Right. You know, uh, late Dan Pinkham wrote a, couple, a piece for me that's on my first album. Uh, two wind dances one of them was written for me and we were talking and I said why did you want to write for guitar he loves guitar he loved it if you were a student and he found out you played guitar next day there'd be a pile of music on your desk, <laughs> his music for guitar and he said that he remembered walking through the old quarter of I think um, Barcelona oh, okay. and he heard uh, someone playing recuerdos in the distance oh. And he found the person, he asked what piece was that. And he's like, there's a Spanish piece that has this like tremolo thing. That's how we, <laughs> remember the Let me think, what, which yeah. one could that be? <laughs> <laughs> 
And he told me this and he said, ever since I've heard that piece, it's been in like, that's what I think about with guitars, that experience, yeah. not just the guitar, but the whole, you know, walking in the old castles, you know, the old walls and stone buildings and, you know, just one. And I. <laughs> I'm so glad that I've got the separate tracks recording here because I have a, I have a dog who's, oh, who's oh, choking in the back here. <laughs> little, little, little hairball. <laughs> we love you, Stan. I think he's okay. Yeah. yeah, but that's yeah, that, that's a first. I, I, I haven't had a choking dog on a podcast yet. So. Well, anyway, <laughs> call it Zoom. Yeah. Blame Zoom for everything. That's what yeah, I'm for real. Yeah. But I've had a, quite a few composers who yeah. they have that experience. They remember yeah. seeing a Segovia or hearing a piece, and they're like, "That's the guitar." And then they, they can you do this? And I show well, you know, Rasqueado is a great example. Right. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to sound Spanish. And how do you notate that? And what about, you know, different types of attacks or pitch bends or pulling the strings or, yeah. you, know, you know, here's how we can do this with harmonics, but then I could also do them with these harmonics, which ones right. do you want? And the fact that they are alive, I mean, right. we all debate. You can read books, volumes of books about what Beethoven <laughs> meant. It's like, well, composers are here. Yeah. Right. Let's ask them. And a lot of composers are like, whoa, that was cool. I like that. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Let's do it that way. Yeah. And I, I do think Bach cool was human. And I think he would have said, you know, am I getting paid for this? You like it? <laughs> Let's do it that way. Yeah. You know, he changed key. I mean, how? I think there are three versions of the E major. Da -da -da -ba -da 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 right. Violin, guitar, or lute. Organ, yeah. And organ. There's and there's also... Um, Brandenburg. Isn't one of the Brandenburgs use it? One of the symphonies. I'm not aware, I'm not aware of that. But okay. I, I think there is there is some... I think so. There is I some might orchestral be setting. Orchestral or suite. Yeah. Yeah. Something like this. Yeah. There's all, you know, the fugue. Da, 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 mm -hmm. da, da, right. There's the lute version. Right, there's right. the violin, G minor, mm -hmm. sonata, fugue. And then there's an organ version that also right. has a prelude. I arranged the prelude. And added, made a total mix mash of all three. And it was like, it's awesome. That's you know, cool. and to sit there and Bach changed keys all the time. Oh, yeah, he dropped notes, he added notes. I, I, I think that we get stuck. Yeah, on, I agree. You know, Segovia did this. And I love Segovia. I, I love his playing. And I, I think, you know, Ana Luisa Marido, there's mm. so many great players that are historic recordings because of YouTube and all these other places sure. that we can hear. Um, there are so many ideas out there that it's really, I, I kind of get to the point where it's like, if you're, you're old enough to die for your country, you can make your own version of Bach and you can, you can do it. I like that. Yeah, I've never heard it expressed in that term, but I like it. Yeah, first, <laughs> fantastic. You know, oh, you, you know, can take you a, if you, if you take, if you can take a bullet, you can, you, yeah. you, have the, you have the right to be creative. Yeah. If you can be a beer snob, you can do the same. If you have to wait for your master's degree. But, you know, go get four versions of the same lute suite and, you know, compare Gilia to Segovia, sure. to Fisk, to Isbin. To, and you sit there and you go, how did they solve this problem? And when you really start digging into this, 
I think uh, Julian Bream does it best. His additions, when there's a spot that could be fingered and you're like, how do I do this? Oh my God, like really complex. Those are the spots he doesn't finger. Right, yeah. And you go, you son of a... I bought that. I remember I bought the E minor, the 996 loot suite, purely to figure out how he got through a couple of uh, transitions in the in the jig right because the jig is it's impossible yes <laughs> it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah. horrendous and the uh i got his score and there's like no fingerings on the, the spots and i just sat there like, i want my money back <laughs> yeah I said, okay fine i'll do it my way wow like, you know, See, the joke you know, is on you. <laughs> maybe that's the lesson. Yeah. He's no, saying, I think you know, I think that's a very wise perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. So, with with Cage, I really tried not to finger. Yeah. I'm like, you know, if mo- the there's a lot of it that can be fingered pretty easily. Um, you know, everyone has to come up with my hand is different than someone yeah, else's. Absolutely. But, you know, when we look at music, I think we get, especially guitarists, we get so stuck on fingerings, position, uh-huh. yeah. and, you know, there's so many places to play a harmonic, and you can use it so many different ways. Why would I tell you 100% this is how it is? No. Here's the pitch. Figure out how to play it. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I play G on the fourth string because it's a, it's a two-voice thing, and I mm-hmm. want it to sound bassy. Right. Other people are like, I don't like to use my pinky. I'm like, well... <laughs> you have a pinky. Use you it. Have a pinky. Use it. <laughs> but yeah. you know, so it's interesting. It, it, I would have debates with Matanya Ophi about this. Oh yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, he was a very close friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, you're in Ohio. You right. Know? Yeah. I worked for him when I first got out of graduate school and moved to moved to Columbus. I worked for him doing shipping out of his his warehouse. He had a space downtown. Oh. Um, and yeah, I, I tell you, I learned so much from being around him and just amazing. And it's funny because you, this whole discussion of, of fingering, I remember, you know, I, I'm very much of the opinion, I wish that guitar music wasn't so heavily fingered for a lot of reasons. And one yeah. of them is that is that we don't learn to read properly because we're so we dependent on fingerings. Yeah. And, you know, plus, like you mentioned, the, the, you know, the idea of, my hand being different from your hand, something that works wonderfully for me yeah. might not work so well for you. For you, and and that's not necessarily experience dependent. You know, I have beginning students that you know they they play with different fingers than I would recommend because it works better for them. And I always tell them it's it's a percentage game. It's like you know if you're going to make this eight times out of ten, that's the fingering. If you're yeah. going to miss it you know, eight times out of ten, that's not the fingering. Even if I wrote it in for you, you know. And and but one of the things that Matanya told me and I had never thought of this before was that um, if you don't print the music with the fingerings people won't buy the music and that's exactly and I that's had that so same sad it's yeah. so sad but well, I get it I understand it but it puts a lot of pressure on the editors and the, and the publishers because I mean they, they want to sell their music you know, I know. and, and I my my compromise is string markings like I right. string denotations saying okay I want this on the third string Sure. And if there's a spot that can only be fingered one way and it's like right. really complex, I have no problem with it. The music of Vinny Chende, he fingers it. Like yeah. and he knows it's playable. And I know that it's playable because I know he plays guitar. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, but I know it's playable. <laughs> and you know, 
I, I debate it with Bach and friends of mine, because I have all these Bach arrangements, they're like, yeah, put your fingerings in because it's you. And I want your way of doing sure. it. And then I'm like, but, but it could be played another way. And then he's like, well, then you put an extra page of Osea, you know, <laughs> options of other fingerings. But it, yeah. I'm with you. I completely yeah. agree. But I have the same conversation with Edition Peters. Yeah. They want things to sell. And right. I didn't, uh, there's an arrangement on my, uh, the España Cali Paso Doble. I put it up on my website and you can get physical versions, but PDFs, just standard notation, standard notation with tab mm -hmm. and an easy version, easier mm -hmm. version. It's not easy. And I do finger it in part because the people who were reaching out to me were like, I'm an amateur guitarist. I'm learning, but I do not cover it. I do not, I do not replace fingerings for musical notations. Right. I'd rather has phrase phrase markings. Yeah, so helpful. Then the other is, oh my god. Wait, are you sure you're a guitarist? Custom, you know, Pasto Ponticello. Because yeah. if I know someone wants Pasto, I'll finger it on the third string or second string. Sure. I won't do open. And. Right. You know, and though I can fake it and do, you know, really playing over the, the, the um, whatever we call that, the fretboard. The fingerboard, yes. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the tosto. Yeah, yeah, the tosto. <laughs> you know, but I get it as a learning. And I actually yeah, yeah, would sure. buy editions to learn how someone was thinking. And yeah. I, Fisk's uh, edition of Prelude Fugue Allegro, I learned that purposefully to see what he was thinking. and. Sure. I found out later that he doesn't play that edition at all, which was <laughs> So then I went through and I said, fine, I'm changing this, this, this. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lesson in that too, right? You know, I mean, and, and, and how many times have we run into that where you, yeah. you know, you look back at something and you think, no, I'm going to do it this way instead. This is such a much better idea well, or this, well, this works better for me now, you know? Yeah, Landowska, Wanda Landowska, yeah. the great harpsichordist, she would... Uh, rip her scores. They'd be from a racing finger. From racing. And it's a harpsichord, like a keyboard issue. It's not, you, know, you, know, you don't need to say fret, finger, right, yeah. ring, you know, all this. So, Fantastic. yeah. But if people do want to see, uh, uh, you know, those, those scores, they can, of course, check out my website, alcguitar.com. alcguitar.com. Yeah. Excellent. And I'm on, of course, Instagram and Facebook, uh, ALC Guitar for all of that. YouTube, Great. and I have a channel there. Um, I also have a newsletter called Guitar Chronicles. Oh, cool. Which is just taking off, and you can sign up for that. Um, I'll be putting out notices for that, and you can find that or reach oh, out to cool. me yeah. at my website. And I'm doing weekly things. Uh, Great videos, music that inspires me, poetry, um, teaching stuff, you know, just to try and reach people who may not always be classical guitarists, sure. but love the guitar. And I think it's our job to, like you, what you're doing, you're spreading the love of guitar. Yeah. And let's demystify and celebrate the best instrument in the world. Definitely the sexiest. Wow. I, th I, that, I think we should wrap it there. I think that's perfect. 
thank you so much for helping me with the with the the wrap up there. That was awesome, Aaron. It, it it has been an absolute pleasure and a joy to to talk to you and to hear everything that's going on with you. I really appreciate it. And I think um I th I think we're we're gonna have to get you back because I oh it'd be fun. We, we There's can, too we much can, to talk about. There is too much to talk have, about for sure. I have like 20 questions for you, so maybe we'll switch seats at some point. I love that idea. You know, Candace Mowbray did that to me um, at the nice. end of her podcast, and I just thought this is the best thing ever. This is great, you know. And uh, it, it was. It, I've always wanted these things to be like really open ended and kind of cool and casual and, and yeah. very chat chat like. You know, I, I do like it. that. I want it. And uh, do it. but I, I've, I've thought you know if, if I were ever gonna like make it a little bit more codified that's the one of the things that's like with, yeah let's 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 exchange a few questions you know yes and, uh, i love so. it well thank you for doing your work and teaching and and you know this is a, a wonderful podcast and i've been passing it around to, to my students saying go listen look at awesome. this person go listen to that person you know? fantastic so enjoy Great. thank you so much it was really thank amazing. you bye-bye now bye-bye this is Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook.